And now on Nights with Steve Price, car advice, thanks to caradvice.com. Every new car, every last detail. Yes, the world's best comparison website if you're in the market for a brand new car. You know the drill, folks. 131873 is our number. You can also email us from around our 56 network stations across the country. Now, Paul Marrick, uh, who would normally be with us on a Monday night, he's on a flight to New York tonight, lucky him. And Trent Nikolic is in the UK at the Land Rover launch. He did tell me last week he was staying in some very fancy castle. So these someone has to do these jobs. Mike Costello, senior editor with Car Advice, has stepped in in their stead tonight. He's in the studio. Great to see you. G'day, mate. Thanks for having us on. You guys really do live the life, don't you? I know. It's pretty outrageous at times, the things that we get to do. I was living the life yesterday. Have you ever done a lap of Albert Park, or two in fact, in the F1 two-seater run by Minardi? I have not, and I'm very curious. How's your neck feeling? I'm fine because I got the, all those warnings, and they now do give you the race driver's neck, you know that uh, the thing that straps onto the back of the helmet to stop the neck from running around. Mm. And I didn't hit my face or my my helmet on the front of the behind the seat of the driver. I managed to um, stop that, but the power of that thing. So it's a a V10, three year old Minardi uh, with Will Davison at the wheel, a mate of mine. And uh, we were doing a tad over 300k down the straight. And it's amazing. I bet you it sounded a whole lot better than the new F1 cars as well, huh? It did. And mm. you wake up most of Melbourne because uh, they hear this thing buzzing around the track and can't work out exactly what it is. But the uh, Will explains, we're going to talk to him later in the program about this, that the, he has to then get out of this thing and get back into his, his supercar the braking markers and how deep you can go into the corner in the F1 car compared to the uh, supercar is a big, big difference. Yeah, I imagine if you're in the F1 car and you braked where the supercars did, you'd actually be stopped before you got to the yeah, corner. that's true. And it's just <laughs> the raw power is incredible. 131873 is our number. We've got a couple of big issues around, uh, including electric vehicles. I think this is going to end up being a massive story. My understanding is that Mercedes are about to announce... Uh, that they're going big time into electric vehicles. They've got a number of uh, models about to roll off the production line, and they see this as uh, certainly uh, the way of the future. And Nissan themselves have now decided that they're going to uh, to produce, and they think they'll sell a million electri- electrified vehicles a year. Are we really going to all end up driving electric cars? Well, a lot of experts say that by about 2025, it'll be cost parity because the scale of batteries will come down to the point where they're affordable and because petrol cars become more scarce, the cost will go up and there'll be that crossing point. And when you consider that Mercedes, Volkswagen, Nissan, every big brand is is going to be making millions of these or plans to within the next five years, it's sort of hard to see how it won't happen. I mean, they're so invested in this now, there's really no other way. You see how it makes sense for Europe. You see how it makes sense for Japan. You see how it makes sense for Korea. Does it really make sense for regional and rural Australia in the distances that we have to cover, given you're going to have to have charging points everywhere? Yeah, that's a really hard sell. I mean, the average Australian does about twelve to 15,000 k's a year, and the average Aussie sort of lives in a city. And I think it's fine if you live in Melbourne or Brisbane or Sydney. But yeah, if you live in regional Oz, uh, it'd be extremely difficult. I mean, the ranges are going to be getting up to sort of five or 600 kilometres per charge, but even that won't cut the mustard. Um, so you may have to end up with some sort of diesel or hybrid solution running parallel. 
well. Just wonder how you whether you don't get uh, electricity phobia because, you know, whenever uh, the and you you can tell me this whenever the the yellow fuel light comes on in a car, I start to panic. I think oh, I've got five minutes to get to the nearest petrol station, or I'm going to be stopped in the middle of the Sydney Harbour Bridge, and I'm going to have to get towed out of the place. What is the average length of uh, how many k's can you get out of a car once that light goes on? So we're getting does it vary, does it? In an electric car or a petrol in car? In a petrol car. Oh, you for can. A start. I mean, generally speaking, there's a tolerance of about twenty to thirty k's. Mm. So that normally you'll be all right. Um, and if you're in the city, I mean, it's, it's rare that you're more than a few k's from a servo. So, so in an electric car, you're driving along in the country and you see that you, you know power is down to 5% or something, yeah. you're going to start panicking. Well, you're in a lot of trouble on the infrastructure now. You know, the average tow truck driver, there's a whole process you have to go through to tow an electric vehicle. It's it's very different. Oh, okay. What is that? So oh, just just the way that it's made up, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences in it. And so it's, it's a whole new learning curve for the entire industry. And you certainly don't want to run out of juice uh, you know, somewhere if too If you don't remote. have a garage and a driveway, you've got a big problem. Exactly right. Uh, email question from uh, Louis, who is in Abbotsford in Victoria. Uh, he says, I'm thinking of starting a chauffeuring business. What would be the best vehicle to use for the in this business? In the past, the Holden Capri was popular. I've also been told the Hyundai Genesis is bringing out a long wheelbase diesel in June, July. What are your thoughts on other brands like the Mercedes E-Class? Well, you've gone a, a long way from a Calais to a Mercedes E-Class. <laughs> but anyway, this is a problem, isn't it, given that the big Falcons and Holden Commodores are gone? It is. And, and look, the Genesis is a great choice. The company, Hyundai, is about to relaunch Genesis soon. Uh, it sort of had a bit of a pause on that program. And it's launching a car called the G80, which is a big sedan, which does the job. And, and there's a few uh, chauffeur drivers getting around that I've spoken to. We've got north of 200,000 Ks on there. There's no issues whatsoever. Another good one is the Lexus ES. Similar, it's a premium brand, but it's Japanese reliability. It's kind of a good balance. The E-Class, the S-Class, the Germans, they're brilliant cars, but they are a lot more expensive to buy and they're more expensive to maintain. So you sort of have to crunch the numbers and work out, is the premium worth it or not? I personally would probably go and look at the Genesis. It is launching in a few months, um, and I think you'll find a lot of the industry will port over to that car. 131873 is our number, and Sarah's online. G'day, Sarah. Hi. Mike's here with us. What's your question? My question is, I'm looking at buying a medium-sized SUV, and I was sold on the CX-5, and then I went and looked at the Tiguan, and I got kind of confused with the Tiguan because they had the 132 and the 162, and um, I was trying to compare the CX-5 to the Tiguan, and I didn't know whether or not um, the CX-5 with the 132. So what's the direct comparison? Is it uh, so, between the 132 or the 162? So the 132, the 132 and 162 denotes engine size. So the 162 is more powerful. It also has a bit more equipment and luxury features. So the, the 132 sort of starts in the low $40,000 range. The 162 is getting up towards fifty, And the CX-5, there are versions of that that sort of span that price range as well, from Touring to Akira. Yeah. I mean, so the, the car that I was looking at was the Akira, Mm-hmm. And the one three two, it was about. It ended up being about fifty two, fifty three by the time it was kitted out, and the one six two ended up being about fifty six, I think, by the time it was kitted out. And I'm just trying to work out which one would be the best buy. To, I mean, look, I think the petrol and the engine and resale in like five years or. What was, do you this, was, it, was the CX-5 you looked at a diesel or a petrol? Petrol. There's okay, a new so one coming out in 2018. With a That's right. Eye camera or something. 
So, so petrol's a good choice, first of all, if you're only driving around town and you're not doing a huge number of Ks. The CX-5 is a brilliant option. The one area where it's let down is it doesn't have a lot of cargo area in the back compared to the Tiguan. I think if it was my money, I would probably lean towards the Tiguan just because it's a bit more of a premium experience. That being said, if you're really stretching to get to that $50,000 mark, don't go any further because the Tiguan is a little more expensive to maintain. It's a slightly more premium proposition. So in short, if, if it's a real stretch to get to that fifty grand mark, go the Mazda. But if you want something a bit more upmarket and luxurious, uh, the Volkswagen's definitely the best. Mike Costello's okay. with us. Great advice. Good on you, Sarah. Thank you for that. David's in Sunbury. G'day, David. Yeah, hello, fellas. I um, I work for a tow truck company that does a lot of work for Tesla in Melbourne. And um, they put a lot of time and money into training us properly to pick up those cars. And it is really not a very hard concept to, to pick the cars up. It's, once you do the training with them, it's really easy. And their after-sales service is fantastic. So what's the big difference in towing a, a petrol diesel vehicle compared to an electric vehicle? In some cases, it's easier. You basically jump in the car, put a battery pack on it if it's gone flat, and uh, put it into tow mode. The car rolls around. Away you go. Is the general reason why you're getting called out people running out of charge, or are they actually breaking down? Not breaking down so much. It's more... Um, more people are parking them in car parks. <laughs> What's been happening is... People are parking them at the airport and at their car park or in their building or whatever, and they don't have any charge in them when they when they leave. It's a very minimal charge, and of course, the car needs to use power while it's sitting there. They they automatically keep the car cool and all sorts of stuff for the comfort of the customer, for the comfort of the driver. But the car sits there doing it, and the owners haven't put charge in. Ah, the car so it's like when you uh, leave apps open on your phone and it runs your battery down. <laughs> You've got to change your habits exactly as an owner. The same. Yeah. yeah, exactly the same. Wow. So what airport car parks are going to have to end up having charging stations or people are not going to be able to go on long trips? It's going to have to happen. They're going to end up with what's called a wireless inductive charging pad, which is a a pad in the car park itself that wirelessly sends charge to the car. Uh, And the technology is almost ready. And I reckon in about five years, you're going to start seeing that rolling out. Dave the Toey, is it not possible, uh, like your phone, to uh, turn switches and things off to stop the car drawing down on power? Well, if the owner charged the car before they left, I believe the car will sit there for about two years without needing charging. Okay, so the key is if you're going to leave it for some length of time in a car park, charge the bloody thing. <laughs> Pretty much. Although David doesn't want that because he's making money out of towing them. <laughs> That's bad, <about> right. <laughs> Good on you, mate. Thank you. More calls in a moment. You're listening to Car Advice. Thanks to CarAdvice.com. Every new car, every last detail. Back to your calls in just one moment with Mike Costello from Car Advice. Now, each night this week, listen up, I'll be giving you the opportunity to win a double pass to go along and see me, can you believe it, me in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert at Melbourne's Regent Theatre. This is happening on one night only, Friday, April the 6th at 7.30pm. Now, you should only call on our contest number. I'll give that to you in a moment. If you live in Melbourne or you plan to be in Melbourne or you can pass the tickets on to someone in Melbourne for that night, Friday, April the 6th, that's Friday week. Passes are valid for a night only. The tickets will be available for collection at the box office. I'm going in, believe it or not, tomorrow, folks, for a costume fit-out. So if you are the fifth caller through on our prize line, you'll receive one double ticket 
courtesy of me, to come and see me in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, on Friday, April 6th. That's one three hundred seven double two eight seven three is the number, one three hundred seven double two eight seven three. Now, if you miss out and you'd like to purchase tickets anyway, just go to priscillathemusical.com.au. The things I do, Mike, for that television show that I appear on. Can you believe it? <laughs> You I go. hope you're going to put some pictures of that out on social media I'm or something. I'm not intending to do that, no. <laughs> Dennis is in East Melbourne. How are you, Dennis? How are you guys tonight? Yeah, we're great. How, how can we help you? Listen, just want an opinion. Um, basically, in the market for a next demo, uh, BMW X3, I think it's the X20 drive, they call it, um, versus uh, Mercedes-Benz GLC, a 220 drive. Um, only problem is... Um, finding it difficult to find actually a next demo of a Mercedes-Benz in Melbourne. Um, I'm going to need to spend probably about three or $4,000 a little bit more for the Mercedes, but just uh, wondering what your opinions were on the, these vehicles. Yeah, so two things. Um, the GLC's proved incredibly popular and supply is in, well, there's a very short supply basically, so there's not a lot of demos out there. The X3 recently entered as new generation. So if you're looking at, a, at the new generation X3, Great buy, excellent car. If it's a pre, if it's a 2016 slash 17 model year pre new gen car, don't get it. It's not that it's bad. It's just that the new ones, you know, a significantly better vehicle. So double check it's the new gen car. And if you're saving a few grand over the GLC, it's a pretty easy choice. Go the BMW. How do I know if it's the new gen? Um, well, if you if you go, we can go to Car Advice and, and look at the latest uh, BMW X3 review, compare. It looks quite similar to the old one, so it can be a bit tricky. You may have to double-check with the dealer. But the new one came out at the start of the year, um, and it was a big step up. So so look on the site, go and talk to the dealer, make sure it's the new-gen car, and if it is, Simply go for it. Simply ask the question. Mm. I mean, just don't take yeah. uh, you know any bulldust for an answer. Make sure yeah. they actually prove it to you that it's it. Typically, what's a demo have on in kilometres? What usually five to ten thousand k's? Yeah, so the up fir- to ten, up to ten. So wow. usually, usually five to seven to eight is this the sweet spot? And the first run of X three demos will be entering now, so it makes sense. Okay. Well, good, Dennis. Fantastic, guys. Thank you very much. For good you. on you, mate. Did you see that Tirana that sold at auction at the weekend? <laughs> Isn't it staggering? Which I was bet- a press car. When it's, it came out. It's amazing. I was talking to my old man recently. He had so many old Holdens back in the day. I'm sure you probably did too. And I yep. bet you wish you hung on to a few of them. The amount I, they're getting now. Oh, it's a, when I went, to the, <laughs> uh, I went to the Adelaide 500 V8 race and they had, because it's the anniversary of, of, of Commodore and Holdens, uh, they had a, a complete range from you know the, uh, the FJ right through. And I went in there and when I had one of them, I had one of those. I had that in green. I had that in blue. I had that in... I mean, it's amazing. I wish I'd held you on to it. You sold a future retirement fund for nothing. Sold them all, mate. <laughs> sold them all. Uh, Rob in Toongabby, thank you for hanging on, Rob. Yeah, thanks. Um, we, uh, six months ago, bought a Renault Clio. Um, still hasn't come up for its first service. First service is 15000 We've got 6800 on the clock. Two and a half litres of oil has gone through on a reservoir full of coolant, so we put it in on, under warranty. Um, I just want to know your opinion on whether you think that they're telling porkies. I mean, they, they kept it there for eight days. Mm-hmm. Eight um, days? Eight days. Wouldn't give us a loan car because Renault hadn't diagnosed the problem, so they couldn't give us a loan car. And customer service in Melbourne wouldn't talk to us until their engineers had, been, had spoken to them, which never happened. It, the upshot of it is we got it back. They told us that they've updated the injector software and to run it for 1,000 kilometres and see how it's gone. Right. Um, 
Because that, that's yeah. strange. Because I, I don't hear too many reliability issues with the Clio. Did you speak? Was it? Were you going just through the dealership, or did you speak to Renault Australia, the company? I tried to speak to Renault on several occasions, and the only time I got anybody that actually responded to me from Renault was when they said to me, "Yeah, the dealer's told us you're doing a thousand kilometre test from now," and that was the end of it. They, yeah, right. Well, very, I mean, very disappointed uh, with Renault. I mean, the, 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 yeah, I mean, understandably so. I, I'd say from here on in, A, I would choose a new dealer from here on in. Don't use that dealer. Go to another Renault dealer and see if you have a better experience. Um, if the car is not fixed satisfactorily, and you'll find out in the next few weeks, go to, to Renault Australia, and if they don't respond, you, you've got the, you know, to go to consumer rights, to ACCC, you've got consumer rights there, and you should use them, um, and don't be afraid to push Renault, and definitely choose a different dealer next time. Renault has a big dealer network. Um, vote with your feet. Find and, find the one that's closest to you that isn't that dealer and go there. And tell them, Rob, that you have uh, talked to us on the air. Uh, this podcast goes up pretty much as soon as we get off the air, so you can access the podcast uh, through our website, uh, you're in Melbourne, so on 3aw.com.au, and you can uh, play it to the Renault dealer and say, listen, mate, I, I talked about this on air. You're not doing your brand any favours by not helping me. Yeah, all right, excellent. Thank you very let, much. And if you have any more problems, you let us know, okay? Yep, will do. Thank you. Good on you. Nice to hear from you. Greg says in an email, what's the best value ride in utes? I've, how often do we get this question? <laughs> uh, I've looked at the Navara ST and STX, the Mazda BT50UR, the Colorado LTZ, or the Isuzu D-Max. Should I look at any others? And what would you advise? I'd be looking at a price range, high 40,000s, not over 50. Col- and he uses it for lightweight jobs at work. Right. So the Isuzu is particularly good if you're really going to beat it up. Um, otherwise, it's a bit rough around the edges. Of those cars, I would say the Colorado LTZ. Holden's doing some killer deals at the moment. Long warranties, really sharp pricing. It's had an update recently, and it's excellent. Um, and you really can't go wrong. The Rangers and Hiluxes of the world are nicer, but they're a bit more expensive as well. So for your needs, I'd head to your Holden dealer and um, really push them hard. Uh, the other one to look at potentially is Mitsubishi Triton. They throw those things out the door. They're so cheap. Good so on you, Greg. Two. I'm looking forward to the Mercedes you arriving. How good is <laughs> that going to be? Have you other, driven it yet? Other end of the price spectrum. Um, I've only sat in it. I haven't driven and? it. It's coming soon. It's plush. I mean, they've, it's come a long way from its Navara donor car. Having the six-pot diesel, the V6 diesel, is going to really help. It'll set it apart. And they're going to you know, be up to 85, 90 grand at the top level. E-class and, interior? Not quite. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> but, you know, it's introducing so much car-like tech. And the fact they're selling them for 80 or 90 grand and they're going to have a waiting list, it's just mm. staggering. And Mick Fanning's going to be the face of them, as I understand yeah. it. Henry's in Ocean Grove, beautiful Ocean Grove. How are you, Henry? Yeah, well, Steve. I drive a 2008 Suzuki SX4, which has got about 260,000 Ks. It's growing beautifully, but... My wife and I are in our 70s now, and she's had a hip replacement, and she's got osteoarthritis in her knee. And someone suggested, because the seats are so low on the SX4, someone suggested we should be upgrading to an SUV or something, but I've got no idea what I should be looking for. Uh, I mean, my SX4 has got a big boot space because I, I play golf, so I've got room for my uh, stuff to put in there. But what should I be looking at? Because... I've been into the Nissan ASX, and it seems a lot higher. You don't even have to slide in so much. You almost just put your bottom in there and you slide in. Uh, mm. What do you suggest, Mike? So you've liked your Suzuki? You've had a good experience oh, I, with I, them? I haven't had, a, haven't had a problem. The only thing I've done had done on it is new brake pads and uh, rotors done yeah. and, and change the oil and you know, nothing the else. Su- Three sets of tyres, and that's about all. 
They're super reliable, Suzuki. So Suzuki oh, makes yeah. a car that would be great for you, which is called the Vitara, V-I-T-A-R-A, Suzuki Vitara. Easy to get in and out. Easy to get in and out of. The other one that I would look at is the Honda HRV, HRV. Um, both of those, they start at about 25, 26 grand for the entry ones. Plenty of boot space for your golf clubs, slightly higher driving position, absolutely bulletproof reliability, and you'll pick up a used one for about 20 grand that's oh, only I'd a year or so at, old. This, I'd be buying a new one that they'll probably yep. last me till, till the day that I, uh, you know... Play. <laughs> Don't say that, Henry. <laughs> so, you'll have two more before you go anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Vitara and HRV, mate, go and have a look at those two. They, you can't go wrong with either. Have you got a, have you got a particular one that you you think is better than the other? I mean, I, mm. you know, the Suzuki is a great car, really. Yeah, if I feel happy with Suzuki. If you're happy with Suzuki, that Vitara is a great car. They'll do you a killer deal if you're a, if you're a regular customer. Um, I would go straight to Suzuki and ask what the changeover figure you can get trading in your SX4 on a Vitara might be, and go from there. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Good on you, Henry. Pleasure. Uh, just some news in the Indian Premier League franchise. The Rajasthan Royals has announced that. Steve Smith has stood down as captain after his admission of ball tampering in the test match against South Africa. That's very different to the story yesterday, suggesting the Royals had, in fact, uh, sacked Steve Smith. That means he'll still get his contract, which is worth more than $2 million, but he won't be captain. So, wait, he gets $2 million and doesn't have to play or be captain? Mm. Wow. I think that's how it's going to work. Matt's in Balimba in Queensland. How are you, Matt? I'm well, thanks, guys. I'm picking up my first diesel that I've ever owned on Thursday this coming week um, and was wondering, I'm getting a Pajero Sport. Let me give you one tip, Matt. a catch can, is there any... Let me give you a tip, Matt. Don't put petrol in it. <laughs> like my wife did to a Range Rover Sport that I never saw again. Yeah, that's an expensive no, no, exercise. Be too good. No, Matt, not good. Uh, what was the question? A catch can? A catch can to preserve engine life if I want to keep the engine nice and clean. I've seen these catch cans. I'm wondering if they impact warranty at all. I don't know about the warranty question, mate. I know with a brand new Pajero Sport, I mean, I don't really think that's something you should race out to get, frankly. Um, you know, the modern diesel engines run a lot cleaner anyhow. Um, I've got to be honest with you, mate. I don't know a heap about the accessory business, the catch can market. I mean, I don't, I don't imagine it would void your warranty, but your best bet is probably going to be to actually check with What's Mitsubishi Direct. What's a Pajero Direct. diesel like? Pajero Sport's a great thing. It's yeah. sort of a Triton-based crossover 4x4. Really, really good choice, by the way. But as far as the catch can question goes, I'd say that's probably one for the for the dealer. I can't really help you too much. I'm sorry, mate. But good luck with it. And the diesel, you will love it, Matt. Thank you very much. Mike, thank you for stepping in for those two who are off on uh, wild, uh, expensive junkets around mate, the world. I'm just a humble guy in Melbourne watching my colleagues travel all over the world. You do enough travel <laughs> yourself. Uh, we'll talk to the Car Advice Boys next week. Mike Costello, thank you very much. Thanks for having me.